is Liz Lash, and you're listening to Entering the Bar. Us lawyers may have passed the bar, but at the end of the day, we often find ourselves entering the bar. And you're listening to Entering the Bar with Liz Lash. And today we have on this show Aaron Fisher, commercial counsel at Datadog and principal at the ASF Law Practice. Aaron, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's uh, ASF Legal Services. Oh, I'm sorry. Aaron grew up playing music, served as a nightclub manager, and still runs his own practice on the side, advising up-and-coming musicians. And we talk a little bit more about how he got into music to begin with. I mean, I used to sneak out of the house and go to like nightclubs in the city before I was of age to do so. <laughs> and from doing that, I kind of, uh, you know, fell in love with electronic music. Yeah. Um, I think naturally as a teenager, when you find something you love, you go, how can I get involved? Uh-huh. Um, I was already playing guitar and music in general. So yeah. the DJing aspect was something I definitely wanted to do. Yeah. So, I mean, I was literally playing clubs that like I couldn't get into. But wow. Yeah, which is funny. I actually just read the Beastie Boys have a book and I just read it and their experience was very similar. Like they were in clubs way younger than I was and wow. started playing them when they were like still in high school. And, oh my god. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, and, and and if you're looking at him right now, he's got one one head toned off. It <laughs> yeah. kind of looks like a DJ right now. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I mean, I think in general, the last thing people think I would be from my appearance as an attorney, but in law school, Aaron interned at Warner Music Group. And following law school, he worked at ICIMS, a recruitment software provider, and then on to Datadog, which is where he is now. Now, Datadog is totally what you think of when you think of a millennial tech workspace. As Aaron says, it's like going to work in a spaceship. We discuss what it takes to be a good in-house deal lawyer and why working before law school is not a bad idea. I have been contemplating recently, like, what is it about me that is okay taking on things that I'm not sure will work out? And I don't really worry about failing at it, but I don't think that's normal. In any venture. I mean, it's not going to be perfect no matter what. A hundred percent. I mean, that's something that I think honestly makes me like really good at what I do for Datadog or being in-house, right? And I think that was a huge benefit of working before law school was understanding how this profession plays into commerce in general versus it's about me getting every point I want in this contract or in this negotiation or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah it's, you, you have to understand, and that's why, you know, there's so much, I think, for lawyers to understand. You have to understand the industry. You have to understand the major risks. And then right. what are some of, the, some of the more minor things that they still have to be aware of, but would you let it trip up a deal or would you advise them to let it trip Maybe not. Like when you were saying you're a nightclub manager, right? Right. You know, I, and I don't know what the major, somebody, I guess, like personal injury is what comes to mind for me or, you know, things like that. But you probably saw sort of very practically what are the big risks and what are not, and you were able to take that. Well, it's funny is I was not even, I mean, I was not thinking like a lawyer back then. So my 
my job there was how do I get people in here spending money? Okay. Right. Um, But safely. And I mean, yeah, yeah, you're, you're doing, you're running a business. And I think that like the entrepreneurial side Mm -hmm. of my, you know, experience definitely helps support other entrepreneurs, Mm -hmm. even if when it's at a much bigger scale. Yeah. I think if you have past business experience, you can speak the language. Yeah. Well, it's more importantly, you understand the, what running a business is, which is exactly right. It's getting things done. It's minimizing your risk, not Uh getting rid of it entirely because that's impossible. Right. And the people aspect of it, right? Mm -hmm. Like you have people that report to you or you report to others and they need to be happy if they're, you're going to get good work out of them. Right. Right. Exactly. So taking, you know, sort of a, a, another step back from that, because um, this is the part that I always like to talk to people about. Sure. Um, nightclub manager, DJ, bar, uh, or um, being in law school, do you have any good drinking stories or uh, taking the bar stories? Yeah, I mean, I've obviously seen some crazy stuff running nightclubs, but... This is more music industry related. Okay. <laughs> so we signed this band that they're like an electronic music group mm-hmm. called Cash Cash that are, Cash. yeah, they're three guys uh, from New Jersey. Okay. And when I was at Atlantic, that was like the uh, like penultimate thing I worked on was their recording agreement. Okay. So I met them at one of their shows afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I had met them once. Okay. About, I think it was a year or two later. Um, I guess alcohol does fit into the story because it was okay. Memorial Day weekend. Okay. And I had a wedding that Friday. Uh-huh. I was flying to Chicago. I have a lot of family out there. Sunday yeah. was my great aunt's 90th birthday. Wow. So I was flying to Chicago on Saturday. Yeah. I get on the plane and I'm pretty hungover and I'm walking on and I see someone in first class. And we, you know, like when you look at someone, you're like, I think I know them, but I can't. And he's doing the same thing to me. And I'm pretty... Uh, outgoing so i was hey, i think i know you he's like yeah you're you're one of the lawyers at atlantic right which at that time was not true anymore but yeah. i was like yeah I, oh yeah you're you know the guy from cash cash so what are you doing oh we're playing a show in chicago so i ended up at their show in chicago that night like oh my God. backstage yeah. partying with them and seeing their set and everything it was it was really wow cool. that's pretty cool yeah it was fun <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Made it worth it to stop and say, do I know you? <laughs> yeah. Well, what's funny is like you're holding up the plane. Well, that's what I'm picturing so, as you're Yeah. So I was like, all right, I'll come back later. Right. Yeah. Uh, and like get your info and we'll talk yeah. about whatever the logistics. But yeah. he's in first class and I'm not. So, but yeah, they were yelling at me and I'm like, no, this is my friend up here. And yeah. I also just don't really, what are you going to do? Throw me off the plane? I'm like, <laughs> or send me back to my seat. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it was, it was funny too. Like that night, um, I didn't hear from back from him for a while. So I was almost like, all right, this isn't happening. Yeah. He texts me maybe at like 11 o'clock, like, here's the info. You're on the list. Uh, we go on at like 1 or one thirty, And wow. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Right. And I had, <laughs> no surprise, a 90th birthday party doesn't start very late. All <laughs> <Right. laughs> time for a nap in between. <laughs> I literally yeah, I slept on my aunt's couch for maybe like 45 minutes yeah. before that party. <laughs> Uh, but it was that's cool. Great. Yeah. That's um, great. That's a great story. Yeah. yeah. What's what's really cool, so this is going to be a sidetrack, but like yeah. what's, what I find really cool about like the art side of what I do and even honestly, even at Datadog is like you, creative people, 
right? Like they're thinking what's possible, all these cool ideas, yeah. they're creatives, yeah. right? And they need help monetizing it. Mm-hmm. And that's part of like, as an attorney in those worlds, what you get to help do, right? Is right. maximize the potential for this product. There is like this stigma out there that, oh, these major labels are evil because of the deals you hear they give. But the reality is like, this is something I think is pretty cool. And I always kind of espouse this to the world that you have to see how entertainment companies are run to understand the model, right? And that is they sign 10 artists and out of those 10, you hear of one or two, right? Because nine, the success rate is not that high. And they're giving these artists money to make the art, right? Whether it's film or, or music or TV. And you need a model where the one successful one out of 10 creates enough revenue to keep funding doing nine that aren't going to be successful because you don't know up front which ones are. So from the outside, you go, Madonna got a shitty deal. How does she not get more than half of the royalties? But the truth is, like, if you want art to be created, this is the business model. Um, I don't think that's so true in tech as far as individuals deals, but it probably is true with like the success rate of business. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. for every 10 startups, nine of them are going to fail. Absolutely. And I, I don't know the actual numbers, right? I'm just kind of making this up, but the point is there more, more will fail than will succeed. Right. right. And if and- you want people to keep trying, mm-hmm. then you need to have a model that incentivizes you to try. Right. I mean, that's why, you know, we kind of, for anything, it's like advertising, right? We all hate it, (laughs) Um, but it's a necessary evil because A, how do you find things out if you're not advertising? And B, the people that it's advertising for, how else do those get out there? You know, how else do they make money? Um, You know, whether you're talking about an artist or um, uh, just a regular, you know, product like Tide or something. Yeah, it's, it, it's you know. crazy. I mean, the one other thing that was really, I think, weird at the time, and then you look back and you go, oh, they just know more than me, are, you know, the artists that were not at the time being promoted when I was at Atlantic that are humongous now. Mm-hmm. Like we had Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran oh, was um, not nowhere near as big in 2013 as he is now, right? He's arguably right. one of the biggest artists in the world. Did they know what they were doing with him? Uh, it looks like they did, but I bet at the time he was going, I want more exposure. I want more, you know what I mean? And yeah. and that's something I actually advise, you know, my artists on all the time is that you do need to partner with other like people and companies to make it in that world, but make sure you enjoy who you partner with yeah. because it's a yeah. big part of who you are. I mean, at my show, for example, or the charity event, um, I met one of the artist managers for the first time and we were talking about this and he was like, yeah, do you have any idea how much time I spend with these people? Like, of course we better get along. (laughs) You know what I mean? But that's different in like an office. You don't, you're not going to, I mean, we have something like 1200 employees now. You have to get along with all of them. But when you're an artist and a manager and a producer, like there's five people in your circle, that relationship really does matter. So be mindful of who you let in, Mm -hmm. but you can't stop it from having you let people in because you need their help. Right. Right. Well, yeah, it does come down to what are the relationships you have with people. 
Um, and I think, you know, well, I would say the microcosms of an office, you know, the people in your department probably. Yeah, I mean, I'm lucky where, honestly, I would say I, I think this is an awesome place to work, mostly because of the people. Is the perfect segue for, you know, the end of every um, episode, which is, do you have any advice um, for people interested in, you know, going into your own area, you know, sort of balancing outside interests and... Yeah, sure. Um, Talk to other people that are doing the things you think you might like. I mean, that was one thing I realized when I was, right, so when I was in music in law school, I talked to no less than 10 entertainment lawyers that we were negotiating with, right? Hey, I work at Atlantic. We worked on that deal. Can I, you know, buy you coffee or whatever? Sure. And the thing I realized was all these people, these are people that had jobs I thought I wanted, right? None of them got there the same way. I was trying to figure out, is there a single path to being a music attorney or whatever? And the truth is, no. Some people were in a firm. Some people were in a band. Some, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, the one, the biggest one that I know is just like he was friends with uh, Robert Plant, so he was Led Zeppelin's attorney. And when oh. you have Led Zeppelin as a client, <laughs> you get more clients, right? Right. right. Um, so I, I think that's helpful to know that there there are multiple ways to do it. Um, be a little purposeful about what you want, and don't be afraid to tell people what you want. Um, and as far as like uh, tech goes, um, or entertainment, honestly, you know, I fell into tech, but it was because I had an IP background from focusing on entertainment for sure. That's a good point. Right. And it is important to have experience in what you are interested in. Mm -hmm. Like in law school, I would come to class all the time late because I was coming from New York to night class or whatever. Yeah. Why are you late? I was at work. Well, I worked in music, so it didn't look like I was at work because most people in law school <laughs> are wearing like suits and stuff coming yeah. from a courthouse or whatever. Yeah. So when I'd explain where I was, be, oh, that's so cool. How did you get that job? That mm-hmm. The truth is because I started getting into music when I was 13. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, and it's there's probably some industry or some – something that any lawyer thinks is cool that actually does need lawyers that they don't think about it like that. That's true. And if they don't need necessarily an attorney, Mm -hmm. there are a lot of skills that you learn as being trained as one, even just being educated as one that companies value. The other thing I would say too, this is specific to entertainment. Okay. Don't act like you're a fan if you're trying to get a job. No one's going to hire you because you really love, you know, the Backstreet Boys or whatever. Like, <laughs> and sports too. I mean, yeah. no, that's true. It, it's important. Like, I mean, that's something I noticed right away. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't act like I'm here because I like to work. Yeah, I like music too, but I'm actually really interested in what it is that we do. Yeah. Um, not because I want to hang out with artists. Mm-hmm. So even if, the, yes, that's a cool part of it. And I told a few stories about it, but that, because that's what people like. But, sure. You, you do want to find something where like your passion is actually the getting the work done, not the fun, good times part of it, because no one yeah. hires you for that. No, no, unfortunately not. I think as you go through life, you, you realize, especially when you can look back on it, that 
all your opportunities that worked out Mm -hmm. are more because of like who you are than what you can do. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, Hey, we just vibed well together. Like I want to work for them. They want me to work for, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Sure. Um, And at the time it's kind of hard to see that, right. You go, why am I not getting this opportunity? I really like this industry or whatever. Um, Don't worry about it because the truth is like, if you got that job, you might've been unhappy because those things were just not connecting. Um, but here's a good example of kind of what we were talking about. Uh, you can work in almost any industry right now as a privacy attorney. Mm -hmm. So whether you're into cars, guess what? BMW wants a privacy attorney. Oh, you're into music. Sony needs a privacy attorney. Um, so the work is available for lawyers in-house in all types of industries. Don't focus on what they do that you like focus on what you do that they can you know how you bring value and then you'll get the benefit of just enjoying Mm -hmm. you know that industry anyway exactly well i think that is all great advice and it has been wonderful having you on the show thanks for having me yes it's cool dj esquire dj esquire (laughs) yeah on soundcloud Um, you can look me up that's right uh, all platforms yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> bring it back um but anyway it's been it's been wonderful having you on thank you and people who are interested in learning more about um datadog and about um his legal services uh you can check the blog after or the uh, the notes on this uh on this episode so um as always thank you thanks for listening to uh, entering the bar and that's a wrap You can always check us out at enteringthebar.com. As a reminder, all opinions on this show are made in our personal capacity and don't reflect the views of our employers. You've been listening to Entering the Bar with Liz Lash.